You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hi, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie. I'm Renee. And today we're going to talk about um, a quick list of 10 things kids need to hear. Um, We've talked before about things that moms need to hear and things you need to see in your marriage, but um, there are some things that you can say and and bring into your kids' lives that they really just need to have. They need to have on their their mind. Yeah. um, It's it's just so important. In the day-to-day, it's easy to just survive. And so this is kind of one of those 30,000 foot um, episodes where you're like, okay, readjust a little bit here. Yeah. What are we, what are we aiming for? Right. So, um, and they're easy. They're not, they're not super difficult. It's not like one more thing you have to think about. It's just, um, you know, keep in mind. Um, so the first one is three easy words, no matter what. And what I mean by this is that, um, this goes for all ages. There's nothing that you can do to make me or dad or God love you any less. Mm, that's good. Um, this goes along with with um, trying to raise your kids without shaming them, things like that. But your kids just need to know that you, no matter what, you, you are security. You are a given. Um, they don't have to earn your love. They don't have to be performance-based. It's just no matter what. Yeah, they, they're going to mess up. They're going to do dumb things, but it's okay. I might not have liked the thing that you did, but no matter what, there's nothing you can do. So I'm thinking about, okay, what does this look like in the life of a two and three-year-old, a life of a five-year-old, you know, along the years, what does this look like put into action? First of all, you, you just say it. Yeah. Like no matter what, you cannot make me stop loving you. Right. Um, I've, I've talked to several friends who have adopted children and sometimes this comes up, this rears its ugly head, um, the lie that, you know, they're not loved Mm -hmm. by the, their parents who chose to bring them into their family. And you just replace that with the truth. Right. I will always love you. There is nothing you can do. Right. To make me stop loving you. Sometimes in really small children, they kind of, you know, they do something wrong and they'll go hide or they'll, they don't want to admit it or they're afraid. Well, what they're afraid of is disappointing you. Mm-hmm. And okay, you might be disappointed in their behavior, but what they're really deep down afraid of is that, uh, oh no, like this is it. I'm out of the family. <laughs> Mom's not going to love me anymore. And sometimes you can get really angry, you know? Um, oh yeah. Really disappointed. Really <laughs> angry. Like, I really wish you hadn't done that. <laughs> really shocked. <laughs> that choice was a really bad one, but it, you know, you're still you and I'm going to love you no matter what. That's right. That's right. Like, um, I'm thinking as I get older, it can sound like, I'm so glad you told me that. Mm. Um, or I'm so glad that this came up if they didn't tell you, Yeah, (laughs) you know, that you turn it around that, um, you're, you're glad that the air is getting cleared. You know, you're glad that even if, as we've talked about on this, this podcast many times, when, even though, when trust is broken, you're glad that you can get on the road to recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and that does not change your love. It does not change your love. Um, your kids are going to do a lot of things to make you not like them. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) Yes. That's okay. And it's not abnormal. Yeah, it's very likely, especially during the awkward, awkward, like preteen years, and it's a struggle. And but yet, you're not you're not going to stop loving them, no matter what. Sometimes I had to tell that to myself. Yeah, I'm just having a moment here, yes. a memory where I'm like, "That's right, you do love them, you do love them, <laughs> you know, even though you're not enjoying them right now, no matter what." Right. That's so good. So just remember that. All right, number two, you have what it takes. So. We've talked about this before. There's this balance between, um, I hate this stuff that we hear in our culture all the time, like, you're you're okay just the way you are, and you're just embrace yourself and all this stuff. Okay, no, we're not okay just the way we are. <laughs> you know, we're broken. We're sinful. And the journey back to, um, you know, wholeness, to oneness with God is 
is our sanctification. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're saying the, that to your kid, to your child, you have what it takes. You're telling them, um, well, it's so easy for them to doubt at, at all ages. Again, um, if they're enough, if they are, the, the lie and the poison of comparison is always out there. You know, somebody's better at dancing than me and somebody's better at math than me and somebody's better at you know, fill in the blank than me. And when you tell your child you have what it takes, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can do anything in the world, but um, whatever they're setting their mind to, it's like you have a belief in them that they've got it. Like God's gifted them in mm-hmm. special ways and mm-hmm. unique ways that are just for them um, to take out into the world and do some kingdom work, mm-hmm. like make a difference. Mm-hmm. And every one of us has that. So, um, it's good to kind of check in with your child every now and then and, and just sort of nudge, like, you know what? You're really good at this, uh, or I've noticed you've been really learning and doing a lot of work in this, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you a boost somewhere someday. Mm-hmm. You, you have what it takes. You can do it. This is tied in with number one. So like, no matter what, I'll always love you. It's a very safe place to go try hard things. Yeah. When you know you're always going to be loved, mm-hmm. that it's not performance, which we'll get to um, in another one of our things. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Right. But but yeah, empowering your child child to try hard things, to um, just have, yeah, just have confidence to go try something. Right. The trial is so good. Um, that's so hard for a perfectionist personality too. Cause yes, it is. The, a lot of the times the firstborn <laughs> perfectionist type A, um, they're just afraid to try um, cause they don't want to fail. Exactly. So it's better to just not try if I can't be the absolute 100% perfect best at it. And this is great because you're going to have to try stuff you're not good at. You're going to fail at things. So you have what it takes. You can do it. Just keep on trying, keep on working. Yeah. Amen to that. So, okay. Number three is I love to watch you and then fill in the blank. Um, I think about this with my son and yours who love to kind of play around with music and, and do the piano. And I used to tell Ben in the, um, he'd play in the foyer on our little hundred year old piano, which wasn't the best. And I would just tell him, I love to hear you play. I love to hear you play. And it doesn't have to be, that means it doesn't have to be great. You know, you can mess up some notes you can do. I just love to watch you do what you love to do. Yeah, you and I talked about this. I don't know how old our kids were when you came across this concept because you introduced it to me, really. Because we do a lot of you're so good at yeah fill in the blank. You're so good at math. You're so good at physics. You're so good at piano. Uh, you're so good at dance. And it ties your your approval into their performance. Yes. It's subtle. It's really kind of subtle. Yeah, it is. Um, and so that when they're not so good at it, that thing – which happens, right? Like mm-hmm. you hit a wall in piano where something's a piece is really, really hard. Yeah. Um, so to say, I love to watch you play piano, or I love to watch you try that. Yeah. New thing. Practice. I love a, to watch you practice. Yes. Yeah, a get subtle. Better. It's a subtle twist on that. And you, I mean, it's not that you can't tell your kid they're great at something, but are you characterized by just saying I love to watch you, or are you characterized by saying you're so good at such and such? Yeah. And I think maybe I'd want to err on the side of, I love to watch you. Just become. Mm -hmm. Become Uh, and blossom and learn and enjoy life. Mm -hmm. I love you. Be joy. I love to watch them play spike ball in the yard Mm -hmm. because they're loving it. Mm -hmm. They're messing up. They're getting dirty. They're, you know, (laughs) arguing about a point or whatever. But I love to watch it because they love it. Yes. I love to see them do what they love. Yeah. So, and it does, it's actually a little mental readjustment as a parent too. Like, remember the joy of learning what your kid loves, of discovering who your child is. Mm-hmm. What are their inclinations and their talents and their interests? It's, it is a good readjustment instead of just plowing forward to the well-rounded child that right. we're all under pressure to produce. And you, I think you can apply this to character traits too, because, um, you can say, I, I love to watch you be kind mm-hmm. to your sister, oh, to take point. care of your little sister. Mm-hmm. I love to watch you um, serve, you know, in whatever way that they're serving. Um, it just reinforces the positive virtue. 
Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a great angle as well. Yeah, I was just thinking mostly activities, but it is good for virtue. Mm-hmm. I hope I did that. I don't remember. I, yeah, <laughs> Honestly, no. I can think of maybe one, or two, <laughs> probably not as much as I should have, but see, if you're out there starting early, that's then right. look how much that's more right. of an advantage you have over us. Yes, that's right. Learn from us, learn from us. All right, number four, I trust you. Okay, so, you know, trust is, is something that's built over time. And of course you want to have the correct amount of trust in your child based on their past behavior. Mm-hmm. However, you can undermine the, the, your child's confidence in how much you are trusting them by constantly circling back around. So um, constantly going behind and asking, especially the older they get, mm-hmm. you know, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Or um, like we've talked about before, when they ha- want to go do something with friends, all right, can you can you go do that? I trust your judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've mentioned before with Emma and the sorority in college, you know what? I trust your judgment. If you think that's not a good scene, I trust you to walk away. I don't have to tell you what to do mm-hmm. at nineteen. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to this, but um, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. Man, when they when they are so trustworthy. Oh, yeah. it's, it's so amazing. Yeah. I, um, I think back, I just think about yourself as a person to, in relation to your own parents, to have your own parents, um, tell you what you just said. Hey, I trust your judgment. Um, I trust that you're going to follow through with whatever it is. I trust that you're going to do well in this class. I trust you're going to keep your commitments, all the things. Um, just personally for me, it makes me want to whether I was planning to or not, it really makes me want to earn that, to live up to their trust in me. Um, so when you say it to your own child, yeah, okay, maybe they weren't planning to do such a great job in that class or they were going to blow off, you know, whatever on the weekend. And you say, you know, I trust you to do that. It's just this weird kind of reverse psychology thing. You do trust them, but you are giving them the um, power, I guess, the will. Yeah. So, so, um, just before we came in here, I was just on the phone with, um, a young woman who's in college, a family friend. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was saying she's skipping her classes today to work on this project. That's really important. And I was like, you know what? I'm not getting onto you for that because I trust your judgment. You're not characterized by blowing off your classes. I'm trusting that you have, um, made a decision that weighed the benefits and the consequences Mm -hmm. to this action and I'm just gonna I'm gonna trust you to do that and you know I would wag my finger at you (laughs) if I thought differently so um so yeah I trust you beautiful beautiful I think American parenting just looks at the teenage years with great suspicion Mm. yeah we just um we we think teenagers are constantly um, in rebellion mode. And I mean, not without reason. I mean, for all the brain development reasons and everything we've talked about before, but I mean, you, you kind of get what you're looking for sometimes. Huh? Yeah, you do. And you can get in this crazy cycle of distrust and cynicism and rebellion as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Like I could have done that if you had told me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be times there will be times when that trust is broken. Yep. Um, and maybe you can't say, honestly, I trust you in everything that you're going to do. So you, like I said, because they really, really want that. They really do want you to trust them. Um, if you've been characterized by saying that all through the growing up, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. And here are the benefits of that trust. Mm-hmm. Here are the freedoms that you get Freedom. because of that trust. Yes. Um, if once that's broken, Boy, it sure does make them work faster to get back your trust. Mm-hmm. And it is something that has to be earned. It's not just sort of granted. It, You know, things are broken. They got to be fixed. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But once they are fixed, um, then we need to let that go. Yeah. And not not throw it back up in their faces. That's a way to say that without saying it, that I don't trust you. Yes. It's like, hey, you're not going to do what you did that time, are you? <laughs> And it's like, no, no, if, if we've been through that, if we've done repentance, forgiveness, restoration, if we've cleared the air, that's done. Yep. And we're not acting like God when we keep bringing things back up that have been taken care of. So yeah, I trust you. It's a good one. Yep. Okay. Um, number five, this is one of my favorites. 
Um, so in our family, we would always say, remember who you are. Um, and it's not just, well, part of it is, okay, you are a member of our family and this is what our family represents and who we are and how we act, that kind of thing. But it's also remember whose you are. Um, and so much is wrapped up in that. Um, I love when my kids were, I don't know, elementary age or something, I made them each a framed picture of, and I titled it, this is what God thinks when he thinks about you. And I mean, just casual flip through the scriptures and it's okay. You are God's masterpiece. You are the daughter of the King. You are an heir. You are, I mean, just think of all of the things that God thinks about when he thinks about you. Um, they're empowering. They're, um, all the stuff you have, what it takes. There's all that, no matter what, all of that is wrapped up into already what God thinks when he thinks about you. So when they mess up or, um, you know, okay, you have a little sibling spat and somebody hits somebody else. Well, you're, you're going to say, oh, I know you have a kind heart. I know you love your sister instead of, um, what are you thinking? (laughs) What a hateful little brat you are. Like, no, it is. This is who you are. And this is not who you are. Big distinction. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I'm thinking in terms of also family identity when you were talking about that. Mm -hmm. So um, who you are, certainly on a spiritual realm. Absolutely. And then secondarily, as a family, like you're, we're, we got you that who you are, you're one of us. And this is always like, we're your people and this is a safe place to land. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's also who you are. What a gift you can give your children when you give them the security of, um, who you are is, um, team Sproles. And, and this is who, this is who the Sproles are. The Sproles are generous. The Sproles are forgiving. Mm. Sproles are, um, loving and fun. Mm-hmm. and you know peace loving and we build each other up we don't tear each other down right um all those kinds of family identity things i think we should do a family identity oh, episode yeah write it down there's real quick so- <laughs> before we forget but- there's so much wrapped up in that yeah but i just think it's such a i can remember um like every time my kids would leave every time they go to school every mm-hmm. day remember who and whose you are and sometimes i would check like and who is that? <laughs> Remember, who is that? You tell me. Well, I'm I'm a Blaylock and I'm God's child. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you should know what that means. So every time when they got older, they'd drive off out of the driveway. Remember who and whose you are. Um, it's just that last little, you know, make good choices <laughs> kind of thing that we say. But um, just an extra boost, like a reminder. Mm-hmm. Don't do things that aren't who you are. And gosh, that's so hard as a teenager, as a young adult. Um because society and peers and everything else is trying to pull you into be this mm-hmm. <laughs> be th- how about being this instead and they're trying to figure out who it is they are but if you've been from day one telling them this is who you are mm-hmm. remember this is who we are then it really helps them make those decisions a yeah little better. I mean isn't that how gangs started you know it's these all this brokenness and they're like I need belonging yeah I need to be part of something and like remembering who you are like yeah you're written into God's story you know, he had plans for you before you ever landed on this earth. Right. All so many good things in store for you. Mm. That's who you are. You want to go and discover those things. Right. You're not just, an accident. Mm-mm. You're gifted. You're you're mm-hmm. full of everything you already need to just go and mm-hmm. thrive. So Love good. that. So good. All right. Number six. It's okay to mess up. So failure with an effort is okay. You know, it's it's um, allowing your kids to fail with um dignity and with safety is so important so i've um interacted with lots of different families through the years in tutoring mm-hmm. homeschoolers and one of the most heartbreaking uh interactions i had was with a dad who had a son who was not allowed to fail it's it was soul crushing to watch it mm. much less um be that boy who you could see like love is a transaction oh yeah and if and if you do well at your sport that's why they were homeschooling so they could pour you know hours and hours and hours into a sport if you're good at your sport and if you're good at your schoolwork, you get my approval yeah and if you're not you don't and it was not okay to fail and I I I just I saw the train wreck 
you know, from several years away. Um, and, um, it really, it really broke my heart. And so get parents, please, please, please give your kids the freedom to fail. Yeah. I think what you're describing, um, is so much about parent oh. rather than child. Yes. Um, parenting is the most personal thing there is. I mean, you've made literally in, in, if it's your biological child, a genetic copy of yourself. So that's out in the world and you want that to be the best that it can be better than you ever were. In mm-hmm. fact, it better be, you know, Hey, I didn't get to do X, Y, and Z with my life. So let me put all those eggs in your basket too, little Johnny. And oh my goodness, who needs yes. that pressure? So if they fail, sometimes parents take that as I am failing. That's a reflection on me, but take that off of your child. Yes, please do. Take it off of them, that pressure and that, um, wow. Like you said, it just really, truly crushes their soul. It does. I mean, it, it made me, I wish I had better words at the time. I feel like I failed that little boy because, um, it was not okay what I was watching, you know, a dad speaking so badly of their child, you know, right there. He can't do this. He's lazy. Mm. He won't do that. And it was, he was totally living, you know, he was totally living through that child's um, talent at that sport. Uh And so, yeah, it's, it's, that was a a blown out example, but we're all guilty of it. You know, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to post the video of my kid playing the piano perfectly, the really beautiful dance routine. Um, but you know, I'm just as proud of that not so great grade you got when you tried really hard. Oh yeah. As I am when you get a really great grade and tried really hard. It's, it's, it's about your, um, your effort, mm-hmm. your, you know, and failure's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, shoo. And if you're a perfectionist and become a parent, Ooh, double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I don't know anything about that. I know, me neither. I I mean, it's just a theory, but I would think it's really bad. Hypothetically. (laughs) Exactly. Yikes. Yeah, that's really hard. Um, So just to allow your child, because they're human and you want the freedom to fail and mess up, give that to them too. Give that grace to them that, yeah, you're going to fail and mess up. And in fact, that's the best thing that could have happened Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, And I think as parents... Um, more so today than when I was growing up for sure, but we tend to swoop in and fix, 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 fix. Oh, good point. And pave the way so that there are, can't possibly be any failures because we don't want that perception or, you know, our little angels are so precious, heaven forbid that they ever get, you know, any bumps or bruises along the way, but they're meant to, that's, that's called life. That's called being human. So when you swoop in and fix, fix, fix and prevent um, mess ups and failures, you're just robbing your child of the opportunity to learn from that and to bounce back and to learn resiliency. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Um, you and I talked about this, we read a book or an article or something about parents who close the loop for their kids constantly that they're, it's not actually a gift. I mean, the occasional act of grace is not what we're talking about here, but if you're characterized by swooping in and preventing failure, your child actually learns that they can't fix it. Yeah. They learn incompetence. They learn fear. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a gift to them. Mm-hmm. They, they, they learn to, oh, you got to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it creates anxiety. Absolutely. So I'm talking practically. If your child leaves their lunch at home. Please say it again. If your child <laughs> leaves their lunch at home, what are you going to do, Bonnie? Or their band instrument <laughs> or their homework or, you know, X, put it in the blank there. I'm so sorry. Yes. You're going to have to take the consequence for that at school. I'm sure that a friend of yours will share a sandwich. You're not going to die. You can yes. have extra snacks when you get home. Yes. Um, you might have to have a lower grade on that homework. But guess what? The next time, <laughs> you're going to remember to bring the homework. You're going to remember to bring the lunchbox. Instead of mom scrambling, um, especially a mom who has to go to work, for goodness mm-hmm. sake, um, to race that up to the school on time and to make sure you've got this in your, you know, email or whatever it is don't rescue them no let them fail talk through it okay well what do we learn about that That, I'm so glad you learned that because look how great it's going to make your life yeah don't negate the failure the failure is awesome yes yes 
Okay, let's see. The next one is um, kids need to hear their story. Um, so whether you have birthed a baby or adopted a baby or however it is that your child has come into your home, um, tell that story. I know with adoption, maybe you want to wait or do it a certain different way, but um, kids want to know. I was waited for. I was loved. Mom and dad really, really, really wanted me, and it was the best thing that happened when I got there. You know, look through picture books and all that. They, oh, they yeah. love to hear it. Oh, yeah. Photo albums. I was thinking that. We had a little photo book back in the day when you printed pictures out from film. <laughs> yeah, Kodak. <laughs> That's right. And we slipped it in the little book and, and like, this is my mom. This is my dad. And here I was when I was born. And it's just the story of me. And, yeah. And um, it's, yeah, it gives them, I mean, we're made to hear stories. I've just been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, our God made us to receive information through stories mm -hmm. in, in a really primal way. You know, the Bible is a collection of stories. It's a grand storyline mm -hmm. and we can find ourselves in that storyline. And when I was reading some interesting um, data on like the psychology of storytelling and how when you are listening to someone tell a story, they've mapped people's brainwaves and they actually get in sync. Oh. with the storyteller <laughs> so the, the listener starts to get in their brain waves actually start to get in sync with the storyteller their um, pupils will dilate their hands might sweat their heart rate might be raised and all these portions of the brain that are are like um critical thinking and like um guessing what's going to happen you know yeah, in the yeah. story that's activated mm -hmm. and empathy is activated and um there's just it's so powerful that's why they teach sales techniques um a lot through story so story is powerful use it to your advantage with yeah. your children tell mm -hmm. them their story and I, I think a lot of our adopted um parents who have adopted children have told us through these interviews that they they reveal the story little by little right which is actually kind of cool to think it's like this unfolding <laughs> mystery that yeah. you get a little more information through the years mm -hmm. as you're ready for it it's a beautiful story it is and um, I remember when Ashley Golden was here talking about our, on our episode, talking to kids about race and she, um, had a book that her grandfather, I believe had written, right. Yep, about, um, it. he had been the son of a slave or, or some such like that. Anyway, not just their story. Okay. Here's how you were born and loved and wanted, but here's your family history, mm, which is yeah. really cool. This is where you came from and this, or maybe this is what you came out of, or this is what we, you know, escaped from, um, this is the land we immigrated from. All of those things, your culture, your history, and all that makes you, you. Kids need to know that. They mm -hmm. just need to hear. My granddad was such a great storyteller. And before he died, I'm so grateful to my, one of my brothers had just sat down with him and recorded, you know, just some stories. Mm -hmm. And when I hear, you know, where he came from and um, how impoverished they were, and how they, he tried some things and failed. I mean, all that is so inspiring. Mm -hmm. You're like, those are my, those are my people. Yeah. And that, and that's where I came from. And then you see some pictures and you're like, oh my goodness, you didn't have running water. You, <laughs> there were holes in your floor. Like you could see the ground <laughs> in your, like below your, the floor of your house. And I just, I'm like, wow, what a journey we've come on. It, mm. it, um, it puts, my problems in perspective. My, my granddad used to tell me, he said, you know, Renee, the good old days were not always so good. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, lest you long for mm -hmm. the good old days, it, there was a lot of things that were very hard mm -hmm. and it, it kind of strips away that nostalgia for some other imaginary time that never existed. Right. And it makes you grateful for those who came before you and kind of, so you know, grateful. gave you a little extra, gave you a little boost. Yes. I think that's awesome. Such good. Awesome. Such, yeah. I, um, I love that one. All right. Number eight, praise your kids for their effort and their hard work. There's a lot of similarities here. Mm -hmm. um, I, instead of being um, a top performer or how they look, ooh, especially, oh man, especially girls. Yes. Just always saying how pretty they are. Um, so... You don't want to say like, um, I'm so proud of you because you do something 
Well, I mean, you do. I'm so proud of you for making that good choice, for being kind to that friend yeah. who was being bullied. But then, um, oh, help me here, Bonnie. Well, you want to praise them for how for their effort as well, right? Um, specifically, I think things that they can control. Okay, that's a good distinction. Because when you say, um, well, there's a great, I talk about this book all the time, Nurture Shock. There's a great um, study that they did, and they told this one group of small children they were smart. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's, you either are or you aren't, right? Not anything that they could control. Okay. And they told another group of children nothing, basically, but then they gave them these puzzles to solve. So the group that was told that they were smart, um, quit a lot earlier they solved the puzzle but then as the puzzles got harder and harder they just refused to even put any effort in because what would that mean well if they couldn't do it they're not smart anymore they're not smart anymore and then we'll fail and then we'll disappoint everyone but the group that was um, not told that or or just said that's great you worked really hard on that together and praised for their effort well they were ready for the next thing okay great as long as I try hard maybe I'll get this next one too. So that's kind of what I was going for when I'm, I'm sort of talking about um, things that you can control. So you, your child can't control whether they're smart or not. They can't control, they really can't control how they look for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, they can't control their personality. So whether they're introverted or extroverted. Um, so just be careful how you praise your kids and what you praise them for. Um you know, if you have two siblings and you're praising one because they're like you and they're super extroverted and they love to have people over and the other one prefers to sit in their room and read a book and you're a little more um, negative towards that child, well, why didn't you come out and talk to everybody? Well, why don't you need, you know, need to be more social? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, you can control that to some extent, but it's really not who they are. So, and I'm thinking too, um, that's, that's all really Good. You should have said this point, not me. <laughs> we should have started with you. Um, I'm thinking, okay, I have a child who everything came easy to them. And I'm like, okay, one day, one day, something will be hard. And um, I need to be sure that they know that the effort yeah. is what I'm proud of. Because they're always getting, you know, high marks. They're always mastering, yeah. you know, a skill. And, um, and so my prayer was, and I did, I did, I just prayed about it. I'm like, please, dear God, when they hit that wall, give them the courage to keep on climbing mm-hmm. <laughs> climb over it, plow through it, go around it, yep. something, some way, um, to overcome because, um, I don't think they really know how hard some things can be when you have a really talented, you know, yeah. capable child, yeah. um, you you do want to be sure that you um, are aware that you're not just praising, like you said, the um, attribute. Yeah. Because even when they are really um, physically agile or very smart, something will eventually be hard. No, and maybe they're that way because they're a big fish in a small pond. You know. Ooh, good point. And one day, they're going to be in a big pond, mm-hmm. and they realize, oh. Well, there's other people out here who are just as good, if not better than me. And there always will be. There's always somebody less than you. There's always somebody better than you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just don't, you kind of have to temper their peers and opinion of themselves sometimes, but. Yeah. And and just helping them steward that effort is, it it really is. You can, it's a joy sucker to constantly be comparing yourself up the ladder and down it. Right. Right. For us too. Yeah. Everyone. I hate comparison. Yeah. So you just, you just. (laughs) the worst. um, I I mean, I compare myself to myself. Do I see progress? Yeah. In my life from a year ago, five years ago? And if not, why not? And if yes, yay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hallelujah. (laughs) Good for you. You must be so proud of yourself. And that's another thing is that um, I think we don't say that to kids enough. We say a lot of times, I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Right? Which you should. They need Mm -hmm. to hear that too. But. To, to tell them, you must be so proud of yourself to have worked that hard, mm-hmm. to have reached this goal, to have whatever it is. Um, I think that puts their motivation sometimes intrinsically inside mm-hmm. rather than always looking outside for approval. Um, well, who's proud of me now? And who's going to accept me now? And who's going to all those things? Yeah. It's okay that I accept me. Like you said, mm-hmm. I'm comparing myself to myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, doggone it, proud of myself. Yes. You should be. 
Yes. So I'm recalling a not so great parenting moment here. <laughs> it's kind of funny, so I'll just mention it. So we were looking. I saved all of our kids' schoolwork because I was always afraid the police were going to come knock on my door. <laughs> like, it, it's irrational now that I think about it. But we saved everything. So we were cleaning out as the kids' graduation, you know, came along. We cleaned out bins and bins and bins of papers. And I found this. The, all their handwriting oh. notebooks and things from like first grade, second grade, third grade. And then we'd pulled out their writing from like fifth grade, sixth grade. And um, yeah, my daughter's handwriting got beautiful. Like she's doing calligraphy by fourth grade. You know, oh cur- yeah, she's awesome. She Past do- cursive. Now we're into cal- calligraphy. Um, my son, on the other hand, his first grade handwriting was maybe like an inch and a half or two inches tall. And his sixth grade handwriting was maybe half an inch tall, but it basically looked the same. <laughs> My son is exactly the same. He laughed so hard that his handwriting looked the same five years later as it did. So, um, and that's like a big family joke now. And that's kind of not, like, <laughs> maybe that's not so funny. Well, I, <laughs> Compare yeah. yourself to yourself. But um, but you do, I mean, it is good to reflect um, like on, on where you were and where you are now. And, and that was a good exercise to take them through their old, their old work. Oh yeah, for it sure. really was art, especially like my poor yeah. son. He he cannot draw. He still probably would draw potato people, you know, with the stick arm. <laughs> right. He would he will admit that he just doesn't have that. I don't either. So yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, but I mean, he has plenty of other skills that he's he's just proud of himself and and has progressed along and super talented. So it yeah. it's fun. It's fun to go look back at the old dance videos with my daughter or the old piano books with my son. Like, oh my goodness, do you remember you were ten when you were playing this? Yeah, look think about much... what you can do now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's awesome. good. Progress is always great. Yep. Okay. Um. Let's see. What are we on? Number nine. Number nine. Wow. Things kids need to hear from you. I'm sorry. I messed up. Will you forgive me? Um. I think a lot of times parents. Well, I don't know that I ever heard that from my own parents, but I think a lot of times parents are afraid to say those words to their kids, um, in order, maybe, maybe they think it undermines their authority somehow, or, um, their kids won't respect them if they know they've messed up. Uh, I don't know, but I do know there's a lot of families and, um, dads for some reason in particular that really have a hard time with going to their child and saying, Hey, I messed up. Will you forgive me? which is just a shame. It's a, it's a, I mean, it, it will either bring your family into freedom if you do this, or it will throw up all kinds of walls mm-hmm. with the people in your life who are supposed to be the most important. Mm-hmm. It, it will shut you down. And I mean, we know this as spouses, right? You know, when we don't clear the air and, it, and admit what we've done wrong and ask for forgiveness, when you always require that of, your, your spouse, but you don't ever do it. Oh, that creates all kinds of resentment. Yeah. And kids are not immune from that either. They know. They know when you've violated the family rules. Right. The house rules. And they know when you've messed up. Mm-hmm. And the, the sad thing is, they're so ready to forgive. They are. Like, too ready. I'm like, no, no, stay mad a little <laughs> longer. Because I, I deserve it. so <laughs> terrible. Yes. They have yeah. these awesome, fine-tuned justice sensors mm-hmm. and from a very young age. And I'm not talking about, you know, fair and unfair necessarily, but justice. Yes. Like, they get it. And if you punish them or come down too hard on them over whatever that wasn't justified, um, but you just let it go. You don't apologize. Yeah. That's putting another brick in that wall Mm -hmm. between the two of you. So by the time you're, you know, fast forward that relationship down the road, um, talk about all this trust we've tried to build. You're just sort of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, if you don't apologize. Yeah. It's, it's not going to go well with you. So just do it. Like watch the magic happen. Mm. When you do this in your life, I'm sorry for say the thing. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I mean, it, it, just try it out with your friends, your coworkers. <laughs> like people are not even going to answer you because they're not even used to being asked if they will forgive. Right. Because I'm sorry you hold all the power. You, you just, if you say, I'm sorry, what am I supposed to say? That's okay. It's actually not okay. <laughs> right. But you're requiring me to say some silly phrase like it's okay because mm-hmm. I feel like I have to say something. Right. So go through the whole thing. Do the whole do the whole spiel and watch the magic happen. Yeah. The your, beauty of forgiveness. Your, your child, 
99.9% of the time is not going to hold you hostage over this. They're not going to sit with their arms folded saying, no, no, I'm never going to forgive you. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time, you will be brought to your knees because your child will say, yes, mommy. Yes, yes. mommy, I forgive you. And oh my goodness. Talk about a relationship bond and a builder. I, I still, to this day, my kids are out of the house. I still, just because of my yes. own whatever brain, will come back and think of things, you know, at, usually at 2 or 3 a.m. when I wake up and replay my entire life. Life. Um, <laughs> gosh, I could have d- done that differently. And so I'll apologize to them. And half the stuff they don't remember or right. they're just like, oh, my goodness, mom, yes, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. But. I just got to get it off my chest. Yes. I just got to apologize. So. Yes. Isn't it funny when they leave, you, you get this reel going in your head, <laughs> like all the things that we could have done differently. But yeah, yeah. Anytime. And if you listen, if you have the, the kid who reacts and says like, no, or yes, but they still act mad. That's okay too. Like some personalities take a while. Like they maybe are forgiving you, but they just take a while to like come down off cool that off. emotional yeah. high there. That's like, oh, or emotional low, how angry they were. Mm-hmm. So give them their space. You know, you, you, every, we're all different. Yeah. And we all like, my husband is so fast to forgive. And he's like, clear the air. Boom, boom. Great. Forgiven. Done. Which is great to receive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of forgiveness. But when I'm angry with him, I've had to just say, you know, I'm not mad at you anymore. Just give me, give yeah. me 30 minutes. Right. And I think I'll be good. Yeah. But don't stand there like gazing at me with these sincere eyes. Like, okay, we good? We yes, good? Yes. We good? Like, no, no. So yeah. give your kids that space too if you sense, hey, they just need a little time. Yeah. That's okay. Right. It's okay. It's like, I, I still love you, but just like the child, <laughs> I don't really like you right no, now. So really just like give you. me 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back around. But oh. right now, no. Oh, such a good one. So do that, parents. Yeah. Bless your family with that. All right, number 10 questions be careful what you ask because what you're asking about is really telling your child um what you care about oh, I did not get this I did not do this at all I failed miserably. I don't believe it I, no right, I so didn't go ahead confess and I'll tell you if I believe you or I not I didn't um and it was mostly I mean I asked my kids lots of questions kids are great at questions right they're the, they're the pros why 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 <laughs> where, where do babies come from all the questions but as parents um Wow. Either we, either we just go to the default and we want silence <laughs> so we don't ask anything or when they get older in the tweens and teens and they have less, um, incentive to talk to us, we just try anything. We just ask any question just, mm. to, just to get conversation. Yes. So, um, especially for certain personalities that are apt to clam up anyway. So my question would be obvious things like when they get in the car after school. So how'd you do on that test? So how did this class go? How was this project? And it was all uh, like performance. Performance-based stuff. And yeah. I didn't even, didn't even dawn on me that's what I was doing mm-hmm. because out of the other side of my mouth, I'm saying, you know what? I don't really care. Make a B. It's totally fine with me. Make a B. But the questions I'm asking are, how did you do? How was that? How could you have done better? And I'm conveying these subtle values that mm-hmm. they're not dumb. They're getting yeah. Oh, yeah. They are okay. But I'm gonna say you did you did this right too because I learned from you about highs and lows at the dinner table. So that is conveying. Yes. Like I want to I want to know what's important to you. Like what's the best thing that happened to you in your day to day? What's the worst thing that happened to you in your day to day? And then you added how did how did you see God at work mm-hmm. today? Okay. So you did convey it with that, and I copied you and learned to convey it through that. Like I want to know what's going on in your inner world. I want to know yeah. what's on your heart and. If a kid says, like, I can't think of anything good, okay, there's your answer. Something's <laughs> going on. Mm. Right. <laughs> and we can we can delve into that later, maybe not now right. know, at the dinner table, but now I know something's there. Or um, if the best thing that happened today is, like, really not that great, <laughs> you also know mm, something's going on. Yeah. Or, you know, if they're, they're doing really well. Mm-hmm. They can, and it's, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful set of questions. That's a good one. Um, I think mine, it was just my... I did intentionally do a couple of things, but my initial, oh, when I first see them, yeah. my first question is going to be, you know, did you make that goal in the game or did you, right? whatever, the performance thing, because yeah. it's easy and you think, oh, well, it's what they're doing. I ought to connect with something that they're doing and that we understand with each other, but um, you, you're conveying a value with everything you say and that's a lot of pressure. So, I mean, you're going to ask the questions, but 
every now and then assess what am I really conveying? Right. What values do I send my child when I'm asking them all the time about whatever it is? Anyway. Yeah. So, so it would look like, um, instead of how'd you do on that test today? Um, you could say, could you say, how did you, how did you feel about the test today? Did you feel good about it? Did you feel bad about it? Um, how, how's that friend doing? Um, you know, bringing in like caring for others. Right. Or, um, uh, I guess I'm just thinking, so what are your family's values? Those are the things you want to be asking questions about, right? Taking the temperature of, are we, um, loving others? Well, Mm -hmm. are we being peacemakers? Mm -hmm. Are we being generous? Are we being merciful? Mm -hmm. Are we being excellent? We want to be excellent. Yeah. I mean, you know I'm for some hard work. Uh, yeah, me too. But but it does need to be a balance. You're right. Yeah. If it's always performance-based questions, you're conveying that I will love you more, be more proud of you. I'll be more pleased with you yeah. when you do well, mm-hmm. not when you try hard. And I totally did not mean that at all. I took this from a um, a podcast, actually, from that Wanda Holland Green was on, and she's a, a educator. And she's, she's like a social work therapy kind of educator. And she said she was doing this and didn't, and the son was like, Ooh, there's a lot of pressure around here. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the most therapeutic, interested in your well-being parent there ever was. And that's what his answer was. Well, all you ever want to know is like how I did on this and how I did. And I just was like, okay, the light bulb went, went off in my head. I think I did that. And yeah, wish I hadn't. Wish yeah. I had. Yeah, right. So so like we said in our intro, we've lived life, made mistakes, learned some lessons, learned yeah. from us. Do do better than we did we'll in some down. of these. So I have one more bonus one that's free, um, which I didn't tell you about earlier. But Okay, good. Surprise. Um, I am a big fan of Kelly Corrigan, and she's written a book. It's been out for quite a while now called Tell Me More. And it's 12 things that are hard to say generally. But um, she stumbled upon this with a friend of hers. Um because as we were talking about before, when her two daughters got upset about something, it just like skinned her alive. Like she had to fix it. She had to, you know, their tears were terrible and anything she could do. So her friend told her instead of rushing in and trying to fix, 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 or give your advice, which half the time they really don't want anyway. And your husband is awesome at this. I will just say Renee, (laughs) um, use the words, tell me more. So what, when they start going off on drama, whatever, you just, really, well, what else happened? Well, tell me more about that. And you just let them pour it all out and you, you come at it at different angles and you repeat back to them what they've just said to hear that they're being listened to and being heard. And nine times out of 10, it just all unfolds like that. And they figure it out themselves, which is what you want. Yeah. <laughs> and you haven't done a thing and their drama's over. That okay, so magic. I'm, you sprung this on me, so I don't know if I did this with my children, but I do know I use this as a teaching technique. Mm. So when I'm asking for answers from the classroom and a student gives me, you know, a short answer, I automatically say that, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Like I know the explanation generally, and I can write the explanation up there, but I want them to tell me more. And I I get really good information that way. Sometimes it's a di- totally different angle right than what I was thinking yeah so yeah that one's that one's great I love that bonus one tell me more too. Um, I think as parents sometimes we we um it's like <laughs> you know we want to just if you're why don't you just listen to me obviously I've been there and done that and it's like they're working this really hard puzzle and you know and the piece that they want that they need is just it's right there <laughs> I'm just gonna point it out to you is right there but when they do it and find it themselves it's so much more satisfactory and they learn resilience. They learn that they're capable. They learn they can work through things. And Okay, so we're girls. So much better. And we like this idea. But I was listening to a podcast the other day. And this, um, I don't know what she was a professional in, but she studies gender. And mm-hmm. she said that in, she was talking about how children learn differently, girls and boys. It was fascinating. And I think I sent it to you, Bonnie. And she was talking about um, how girls love to talk about their problems so they like that we're discussion oriented we want to like talk and talking through it makes us feel like we're dealing with it yeah but boys do not like doing that they don't like disclosing their emotions they don't like talking about their problems because they don't see the point 
Right. Um, because what they want is a solution. Uh-huh. And this is what causes conflict in marriages mm-hmm. because the wife says the problem and the man's like, okay, well, here's three ways we can fix that. Right. He's like, just <laughs> listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about this with your children, but this is a universal principle. So you're, it's going to look different with a female child and a male mm-hmm. child. When you say, tell me more, you may get less from your son in the tell me more, but that, that might be okay. That might be okay because because they can get to the end point quicker. Yeah, it's it's not that they're necessarily holding off, and even the the boys who are not wanting to talk about their problems on occasion will. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ben does this, but Houston will. It'll be ran- totally random. I'm like doing something really involved, and he just breezes in the kitchen and starts pouring out a conversation he had, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh wait, I got to tune in, pay attention, yeah. and. And the tell me more might actually be 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, all mixed up in that too, in the reflection of what you're hearing from them. Um, sometimes it's really useful, especially for little kids, but I think all, um, is to name the emotion. Like, um, well, that must be really hard. Mm. Or that must have made you feel really sad. Or I bet that really felt unfair. You know, so can you ask, how does that make you feel? You can. How did that make you feel? You can. Is that also as effective? You think? Yeah. But I think it's a, um, certain personalities, certain children tend to get all wrapped around the axle about whatever. And they're just all in the problem. Right. So if you can focus on the underlying, what's really going on? Mm-hmm. Like, are you sad about this? Are you angry? You know, where, what are we coming from? Right. It helps them sort of name the emotions. And when you name it, oh, I see. Okay. I'm really angry about this. Maybe okay. I should simmer down. Now yeah. we can deal with that. Yeah. Or yeah, now I know I have to move through the process to get to forgiveness if I'm really angry at someone. Right. Or letting it go. Right. Or, you know, yeah, or being sad. Okay, I'll, I can sit and be sad for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I don't, I get to the point where I'm wallowing. We don't want to wallow. Mm-hmm. So allow yourself to feel the feelings and then we can, you know, deal with it and move on. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. I'm glad you added that in. Whew. So... <laughs> Ten things. Yeah. Ten things your kids need to hear from you. It sounded like a lot, actually, as we were talking about it all. But, you know, pick one or two. If you if you heard something that you're like, ooh, yeah, I probably I probably need a little work on that. Just pick one or two. And, I'm picturing these as a Venn diagram. There's, there's overlapping principles. There are. In a lot of these. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not as vast as it may as initially it seem. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, we hope it's encouraging. Yes. And if you want to see notes from this episode, you can go to justaskyourmom.com, our website, or you can look for posts at Just Ask Your Mom on Facebook and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. If you're listening, please rate and leave a review or something in the comments. You can also email us any kind of questions or topics you have about this or any other episode on Just Ask Your Mom Podcast at gmail.com. And we want to say thanks to our production manager, Cheyenne Avila technical and social media administrators, Savannah Cunningham, and our graphic designer, Emma Goodwin. We'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.